It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, October 19, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. The Southeast Conference is hoping to see tourism activity in the region next summer return to at least 50 percent of its 2019 levels. Robert Venables is the director of the conference. He discussed his hopes for an economic rebound in 2021 during the fall speaker series of the Sitka Chamber of Commerce. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Robert Venables is professionally optimistic, but not about the coronavirus pandemic. The Southeast Conference is a mix of businesses, individuals, and governments who come together to think strategically about the region. Its objective next year is to salvage the industry hardest hit by the COVID-19 pandemic, cruise tourism. And that means being realistic. This is going to be around for a while. Um, You know, many of the communities are really looking at, um, you know, a 50% of the tourism activity for next year as a best case scenario. And uh, we just, we simply don't know, but we certainly embrace a, a public dialogue on, on how we can work through those issues. And some of the things that they're learning now is they're, they're um, rolling out some limited cruises uh, in, in Europe and the Caribbean, I think will help uh, point the way as to what Alaska can look forward to going forward uh, for, for 2021. The toll from the almost total cancellation of the 2020 cruise season is still being calculated in businesses and governments across the region. In its annual report, Southeast by the Numbers, the conference attributes a loss of nearly 7,000 jobs in the region to the pandemic, the lion's share of them in transportation and leisure and hospitality. Venables said that the cruise industry is working to restore sailings next year by treating each vessel as a safe bubble. What that means for cruise destinations isn't clear yet. I know communities have seen um, some preliminary pieces of what that um, that that plan, that mitigation plan is for operating in, a, in this COVID-19 environment. And so, one of the objectives we want to do is try to work, you know, with our communities, our businesses, and the industry to see how we can make that bubble not just around their cruise ship and around small groups of people that may or may not be allowed into businesses, but try to make Southeast Alaska uh, a bubble that has uh, very good protocols. We're working with, um, with, with on, on ways to help educate and train uh, in the use of PPE and other protocols to, to keep Southeast Alaska safe. And I think that this year's um, you know, fisheries operations was kind of a good trial run for that because we saw a lot of folks come in from outside. We see the same thing with the mining industry where they're bringing hundreds of people in and having the protocols to know how to safely move those folks around through the region. So hopefully by next year, we'll be able to reinvigorate our tourism economy. Tourism isn't exclusively cruise ships in Southeast. Venable sat on the governor's Marine Highway Reshaping Work Group over the spring and summer. He said the Southeast Conference has always been the loudest voice on the block for the ferry system. The work group's findings haven't been officially released by the governor's office. Nevertheless, Venable said some details were already circulating. We think there needs to be significant restructuring of how the marine highway system is run, whether it's a public corporation or an empowered board. There needs to be an executive uh, level of management that is, is dedicated and passionate about the success of the marine highway system and really focused on it. Venables also used his time during the Sitka Chamber Fall Speaker Series to promote an area of growth, mariculture. He told the group that there was only so much the Southeast Conference could do for existing economic sectors. 
and we're going to support every one of them. But as far as new economic opportunities in the region are concerned, mariculture is going to be one of our priorities. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can find a link to the Southeast Conference's annual report, Southeast by the Numbers, on our website, kcaw.org. The Sitka Chamber of Commerce's Fall Speaker Series will happen on seven more Wednesdays from now through the end of the year. Southeast Alaska tribes have withdrawn from the federal government's rulemaking process that's set to exempt Tongass National Forest from the roadless rule. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, the tribes say their concerns were ignored by the U.S. Forest Service. Changing a federal rule isn't simple, but the Trump administration is on the verge of doing it. Last month, it started a 30-day clock to completely exempt Tongass National Forest from the 2001 roadless rule. The rule restricts, though does not prohibit, road building and resource development on some national forest lands. Critics say that locks up natural resources. But to change it, the federal government is required to consult with tribal governments. And it did. Nine Southeast Alaska tribes in all, whose traditional homelands are now part of the country's largest national forest. The Tongass, which we sit in the middle of, is part and parcel of being Clinket. We are a, a, a people of, of the land. Bob Starbard is administrator of Huna Indian Association. When the federal government started their consultation, the tribe was the first to sign on as a cooperating agency. And he says at first, it seemed like the Forest Service was listening. It became clear at the very end, however, that the uh, game uh, had already been fixed. By that, he means the meetings, hearings, and public comment periods dominated by Alaskans in favor of keeping the rule intact didn't move the agency. It recommended lifting the rule completely and is expected to make it official before the end of the month. It's just another broken promises to tribes uh, as far as we're concerned. The nine tribes said as much in an October 13th letter to the Trump administration. The three-page letter is unequivocal with one sentence in boldface. We refuse to endow legitimacy, upon a process that has disregarded our input at every turn. It demands that an updated environmental impact statement be published, reflecting the tribes have withdrawn their cooperation. Marina Anderson, administrator of the organized village of Kassan on Prince of Wales Island, says tribal consultation by the federal government. A form of box checking, a form of the government saying that they had consulted with us properly and they met with the indigenous people properly. And all of the information that was really relayed to the Forest Service from the tribes, in my perspective, that information was disregarded completely. And really, it distracted us from a lot of other things that we needed to focus on with our time as well. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, that's the department the Forest Service works under, says it was listening to tribes. In a statement, USDA spokesman Larry Moore wrote, their input was integral to the agency's analysis during the rulemaking process. Alaska's congressional delegation has long chafed against the roadless rule. Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski has been one of its most vocal critics. She addressed the Alaska Federation of Natives, but didn't mention this milestone during her 18 minutes of remarks. We've ensured access to the Tongass by enacting legislation like the Sea Alaska Lands Bill, and the Mental Health Trust Land Exchange. We've got more on the way. Republican Representative Don Young has also applauded the move. At a recent forum, he had this message for Southeast Alaska. I'm happy to say for those in the area, uh, you know my position. I've been there. I've worked there. We've got it done. So let's open up Southeast to the communities for their economic well-being. Kassan's tribal administrator Anderson says elected officials in Alaska have not listened to the majority of residents who oppose the rollback of the roadless rule. Alaska's delegation 
this entire time has had um, industry's best interest and they've been in full support of the exemption. And it's not just Alaska's congressional delegation that wants to see the roadless rule repealed. Elected officials from across the spectrum have spoken out against it. Governor Mike Dunleavy has applauded the Trump administration's rollback, but it was his predecessor and political opponent, Governor Bill Walker, who got the ball rolling. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. As activists in the lower 48 advocate for defunding law enforcement, rural Alaska tribes are doing the opposite. They're working to get more funding for law enforcement for communities that have few or no public safety officers. As KYUK's Anna Rose MacArthur reports, a panel addressed this issue at the Alaska Federation of Natives Convention. At the forefront of this work is the Yukon Kuskokwim Delta Tribal Nonprofit, the Association of Village Council Presidents. President and CEO Vivian Corthius calls the situation a crisis, one that the pandemic has exacerbated. A double emergency. Uh, one layered on top the other. Both emergencies require first responders. In rural villages, that's usually a health aide and a public safety officer, but many villages only have the first. We have, seems like, one hand tied behind our back because of the lack of public safety that exists in many of our villages. To untie that other hand, Corthius wants Alaska tribes to build a public safety system based off its health care model. Just as there are health aides located in clinics and villages, Corthius wants to place public safety officers in public safety buildings in rural communities. The keys to the model already exist for tribal health corporations. She says they are direct federal funding, recognized tribal authority, and partnerships across the federal, state, and tribal levels. So my advice is to listen to the tribes and tribal organizations. We know what works in our villages. Also Thursday, the nation's top legal officer addressed the AFN convention in a pre-recorded video. U.S. Attorney General William Barr wore a blue Gus Buck given to him by Corthius during his trip to the YK Delta last year to witness the lack of public safety in rural Alaska. Following the trip, rural communities received an infusion of resources for public safety. Some of the highlights from Attorney General Barr were President Trump creating a task force on missing and murdered American Indians and Alaska Natives, nearly $50 million in federal grants to Alaska Native communities this year, funding for 38 additional rural police officers across 25 communities, and more involvement by federal attorneys in crimes in Native communities, including the criminal indictment against former Bethel Elementary School principal Chris Carmichael. In Bethel, I'm Anna Rose MacArthur. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Mark.